In college, I read Briefing for a Descent into Hell by Doris Lessing. The book still terrifies me. The protagonist's psychological adventure still has the power to alarm me with a sense of future danger for us all. This book made me aware, for the first time, that I wasn't alone in wondering if our world leaders are either blind, naive or just plain stupid. Can't they sense the danger, the impending threat of nuclear annihilation or mass starvation? Or are they like lemmings who follow the leader off the cliff to their deaths? Honestly, I'm beginning to wonder. I had my suspicions during Nixon's vicious criminal bombing of Cambodia back in the 1970s. Then the little bush, a war criminal, by the way, set us on a course to commit more carnage and mass murders. We, Americans, are the barbarians determined to cause more suffering and misery. During the British Empire, the British thought they were civilizing the barbarians in other countries, when actually they were the barbarians determined to rape and pillage anyone who didn't speak their language or obey their rules. After reading the last few pages of Lessing's book, I felt again that sense of urgency when Professor Charles Watkins turns to Violet and says, the shock might shock me into remembering what it is I know is there, the shadow I can see out of the corner of my eye, 273. I've been seeing that shadow since high school, the shadow of mankind's dark and dangerous eagerness to rule the world and if need be, kill everyone and everything in its path. I understand now what Lessing, through her characters, tried to teach us. She had seen firsthand the rape and pillaging of a country, foreign invaders profiting from the riches of another country out of a sense of manifest destiny that the British would educate the locals and make them civilized. What bull! After our disastrous pillaging of Afghanistan and Iraq which made millionaires and billionaires out of psychopathic private killing machines, we're now upset at how our retreat from Afghanistan went so badly. WTF. Money which might have been spent on Americans and American infrastructure ended up in the hands of warlords and grifters, and now Afghanistan has more poppy fields than before Americans showed up. The Peter Principle is so true in America. I've seen the principle applied to the mediocre for the last 49 years. When someone moves up the ladder, I'm surprised, and then I remember the principle and I'm no longer surprised. But when the principle is applied to someone with the power to order the bombing of a country, the results are always catastrophic for the innocent. Now, for whatever reason, maybe to prove he's just as bloodthirsty as number 45, our current administration is sending threatening signals to China. OMG! We would be so much better off simply bringing jobs back to the United States and paying workers a decent salary, that would show the Chinese government that America still believes in equality for all. But the elitists in our media and government don't want to help average Americans, they are only interested in the morbidly rich. We are fast becoming a feudalistic society and the pandemic is reminding me too much of the dark ages when the rich fled to their manors to hide from the threat only to have entire villages wiped out because noblemen and their entourage had brought death with them. What's noble about that? Photo by Kaylee DeLugos on Pexels.com That is the shadow I believe Professor Watkins sees. He sees the shadow and can't remember why it frightens him so much. I read Lessing's words as criticism of our forgetfulness and sense of entitlement, a realization that we've been here before, we've gone down this path many times throughout history and because we are fools many will pay a heavy price for these fools who think they know what's best for us. Every time I meet a person who acts as if they know everything about everything, I instantly smell peddled garbage, not thoughtful speculation. If just once, one of these peddlers would say, I could be wrong. We don't know the culture or the language or the customs. I could be wrong. Obviously, they are so full of themselves they can't imagine they might be criminally wrong. 
Many of them are so full of their own sickening self-satisfaction they ignore the lone voice desperately trying to caution them. Instead, they plunge into their murderous campaigns for honor or profit or attention which ends up making them rich while millions of people around the world die. I can't stand the idea that my taxes are paying for their promotions. I may not make much money, but even a few bucks multiplied by 300 million is a lot of cash. Before the internet, these jokers would go to dinner parties or stand at podiums and bloviate on any topic with complete assurance that no one would question them in real time, or no one would ever capture their stupidity on video. Well, just a few years ago, a simple search could often, not always, catch them in a lie and the audience would know they were facing a fool who doesn't know sh. Now, we have alternative worlds where the truth doesn't matter. That's scary. I'm all for free speech, but when you are a person who has the power to kill hundreds, the rest of us want the truth. And that is the reason Lessing is such a powerful writer. She questions everything. Even critiquing her own sex, back in a time when equality of the sexes was unequal. She was ahead of her time in so many ways and unlike her childhood able to see the real suffering going on in Rhodesia. She was vilified by her community once she left and began writing and commenting about life in Rhodesia. But many years later, she was vindicated by an article written by someone who grew up in her hometown. Her writing was an early clue of her independence of mind which I admire greatly, and now doing my best to quickly research her life, I'm more in awe of her than ever. In Descent I read, we see children as creatures about to be trapped and corrupted by what trapped and corrupted ourselves. 162. Oh, wow. She understands. I felt this way while my sons were young, yet, at the time I didn't know how to articulate the feeling of dread, that I would inevitably pass on my family's corrupting influences. Life as a child, especially the education I received by way of my family, my immersion in American institutions and socialization by public school teachers, effectively quashed any childish ambitions or eccentric ideas I might have had for the future me. No one had to tell me that as a girl I had limited choices, all I had to do was watch television or see examples all around me of older women dependent upon men, from my mother to my grandmother to my aunt. I knew, deep down in the pit of my stomach what my future would be, yet I ignored the little voice urging me to give up, convinced money wasn't important, that my reason for wanting to go to college had more to do with acquiring knowledge than a comfortable income. And, when my family and friends told me even if I went to college, I would still end up a housewife and my degree would be useless because my husband would always make more money than me, I still wanted to go to college. I also learned as a preteen that the best and brightest were the beautiful people, the ones who were good at sports and delicious to look at, and even if they'd never read a book in their lives, they would be successful. In my day, if you wore glasses, you were a bookworm and a homebody. Well, now lots of people wear glasses and the nerds are the billionaires. Still, many of us are trapped. Maybe the billionaires don't feel trapped, but 99% of us do. Maybe even billionaires feel trapped? I can't help but see those photos of the rich and many of them look bored, often downright miserable. And when I walked through the gorgeous expensive parade of homes, I appreciated their beautiful design and lovely furnishings while still feeling grateful that I had a warm little nest at home. It may not be a hobbit house which would be fabulous to me, nevertheless, my home makes me feel safe and comfy. Photo by Brandy Robbins on Pexels.com Vaulted ceilings, butler pantries and gigantic open spaces remind me of churches and make me nervous. I don't want to live in a church or hear the echo of my slippers slapping over polished floors as I wander through dozens of rooms to get to the kitchen and have a nice cup of coffee. 
I can't imagine ever living in one of those houses alone. Those houses are meant to be lived in by a family with 10 children, honestly. And when I think about the homeless in my town and realize as I'm getting ready to finish work and a young person is going out into the night without a bed to sleep in, if necessary, prepared to stretch himself out on the grass nearby or curl up on the heated sidewalk near the steps, I'm so sickened by our government's lack of empathy for the poor I want to punch them in the face or throw a shoe at them. I remember talking to our security guard at closing and asked him if the boy had a place to go and he told me he'd given him an old jacket to wear because the nights were getting colder, and I told him I wish there was someone we could call, and he frowned at me assuming the worst. Calling the police won't help the kid, he said to me. I assured him I wasn't thinking of the police, I just wanted the boy to have a warm and safe place to sleep. I also told him I wished I still had my old camping gear, my tent and sleeping bag, but I'd given them to a friend. And he told me that years ago he'd offered a kid his old bike and the kid promptly lost the bike. Well, I thought to myself, if you don't have a secure place to put your bike, what could you do to prevent someone from stealing it? He anticipated my response and before I could speak followed up with a similar conclusion. We were on the same page and understood the complexities of the situation, yet both of us were upset that as a supposedly rich country nothing was being done for the homeless. Only people exposed to the cruelties of poverty and homelessness can truly understand how much our country has declined. We now have two classes of people, the morbidly rich, taking brief expensive trips into space, not really space, just close enough to be called space, for their own amusement, and at the same time, expending a lot of unnecessary energy and pollutants into the atmosphere, and down below in the real world, the poor, whose children are sleeping outside in the cold and dark, alone and afraid. Forget about the middle class, they are shrinking fast. The contrast is painfully obvious, because just a few miles away there are homes being built for the rich with vaulted ceilings and wine cellars and fancy bathrooms. We are fast becoming a medieval country, where the rich live in castles and the poor sleep on the ground buried in leaves waiting anxiously for the sun to warm their poor thin bodies. It's depraved, it's wrong. I'm no longer seeing the shadow out of the corner of my eye and trying to remember why I'm frightened. I now know why I'm frightened. Conformity is rearing its ugly head once again. People are so desperate at this point in our country's history that they are willing to leave their jobs because they don't want to get paid pennies while the threat of imminent death hangs over them from a deadly virus. While the middle class cling to their bit of income afraid of sliding down the ladder perhaps losing their homes and new cars, willing to do anything to keep themselves afloat. In such desperate times, they are even voting for grifters and pathetic sycophants in the mistaken belief these old men can do something to fix the problem. You can't see it but I'm raising my hand and admitting I voted for Biden. Then there are the others, who just as desperate want to smash everything and shake up the greedy elitists and corporations by voting for a vulgarian. People are so desperate that they are willing to believe a snake oil salesman and habitual liar who promises to bring jobs back and instead grifts off their puny savings. I'm talking about number 45, but you can add any number before and after our series of presidents, those elitists in our country who have been primed from birth to think of themselves as superior lords and ladies, who are only willing to cater to their rich friends and associates and let the rest of us pay the bill. I'm happy to know that the younger generation is realizing how screwed they are and are trying to do their best to push back against the cruelty of our current system of governance. In Doris Lessing's prisons we choose to live inside, she writes, it is possible to sit through hours, days, of discussion about war, and never hear it mentioned that one of the causes of war is that people enjoy it. 22. 
I was struck by this observation because I've always been under the assumption most of us don't want to go to war and kill people, that soldiers must be trained to hurt and kill people. Then I think about all the mass shootings in our country and realize we've been born and bred to enjoy hurting other people, our movies and television glorify war and honorable deaths. Photo by Pixabay on Pexels.com Lessing follows up her amazing observation with another which hits close to home, everyone knows that at such times as strikes, civil wars, wars, from the moment they start there will be tragedies of all kinds, if for no other reason than that the people in every society who enjoy thuggery come to the surface. But the point is, everyone knows this at such times except the people involved, who seem to the onlookers as if they are drunk or hypnotized or have lost their senses. Well, they have. They become part of some great mass lunacy and while they are in it no individual judgment can be expected from them. This mass lunacy Lessing is describing, I believe, is partly cultural and partly drug-related. She may have known about Hitler the drug pusher and his cronies, but I'm not sure. After watching a documentary on YouTube called Nazis on Drugs, I now can connect the opioid crisis in America with this lunacy, that by overprescribing these dangerous drugs we are manipulating our citizens to do things they wouldn't ordinarily do. I'm not saying that these people who go into churches and kill or use their cars as weapons are victims, no, some of them obviously enjoy hurting people and should never be allowed to hurt anyone again. What I'm trying to figure out is why so many of us remain silent about the obvious inequities in our culture. Why have we given up? Why do we prefer to sit in front of our televisions and believe everything on the news told to us by overpaid actors? Some might say that what Watkins is desperately trying to remember is a better time, a peaceful time in a beautiful place, the forgetting might not be about danger, death and destruction. That subject will have to wait for a better time, because my sense of urgency remains constant these days. I'm waiting for the shoe to drop. Where from? I don't know. I just wish more of us were ready and prepared for the consequences.